Good evening, everybody. This is Rich Duncan with Ink Heist, and tonight I'm joined by my co-host Shane Douglas Keene. Um, Laurel is taking vacation this weekend, um, and she'll be back with us next week, I believe. And tonight, Shane and I are excited to talk to Max Booth III and Lori Michelle. Um, they both um, run Perpetual Motion Machine Publishing and edit Dark Moon Digest, and uh, we'll even dive into a little bit of Max's new works. Um, and, yeah, it should be a great show. So how the hell are you guys doing? Doing pretty good. Good. Okay. Yeah, we uh, yeah, just watched an episode of Hannibal, and then we said, oh, it's 8 o'clock. And we <laughs> got on Skype. That's what's going on. Uh, I need to watch Hannibal. I haven't watched a single episode yet. Yeah, I've seen the first one, and then I'm ashamed to admit, like, I fell behind, and then I just never got back to it. And that was before, you know, it blew up and became as big as it is. Yeah, we uh, only just now began watching it, so we'll, I don't know, like five episodes into it or something like that. Pretty okay. I, I, I don't know if, that, if that's a ringing endorsement. <laughs> well, the fact that we've actually watched five episodes means something, so... Yeah, that's yeah me that too. If true. I've watched two episodes, it means I liked it. <laughs> I don't have a lot of patience for things that don't work for me. Um, so, how about if we kick this off by... since. Most of our listeners now know who Max is. Um, probably did before we ever brought his name up, I'm guessing. But uh, a lot of them will probably not know for sure who you are, Lori. So could you uh, give us some background for our listeners? Um, how much background do you want? <laughs> well, no, I'm, I don't want to know what you're wearing or anything like that. But, <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank God, because I'm not. <laughs> no. Um uh, you know, like you talk about your work, your layout work, perpetual motion machine, and whatever else you think is pertinent. Um, well, I started off being the layout person for Dark Moon Books and Dark Moon Digest back when Stan Swanson owned it. And um, then Stan didn't want the magazine anymore, and I said, I'll buy it. <laughs> so since then, and Max and I have taken over Dark Moon Digest, and I do all the editing and layout of that. And then I do all the layout for us. And I thought, I'm pretty good at this. My son was a cancer child at the time, so I couldn't find a job working out of the house. And so I started doing formatting for a bunch of other publishers, and I just keep going with it. I'm doing yeah. my typical typical thing and talking to my dead mic. Go ahead. <laughs> no worries. No, that's pretty uh, interesting. And one thing I wanted to ask, um, since we have you both on this time, is like, I know you guys do Perpetual Motion Machine and Dark Moon Digest together. And I was just kind of curious, you know, what is your uh, editorial process like with each other? Like, do you guys both look for kind of the same sort of things and do you have the same sort of you know tastes when it comes to you know genre and type of stories or do you guys have to kind of find like a middle ground of like meshing those two things together i want to say that probably a good 90 percent of the time we agree on stories whether they're good or bad and other times it's like okay well what did you like about this story and we can kind of come to a consensus about it it's a lot of uh, discussion 
like with the magazine specifically, we, uh, we, we both read everything we get in the slush and we vote yes, no, well, maybe. And if anything has a, if we both voted no, obviously that's an instant rejection. But anything that has a maybe or yes goes to the uh, the maybe pile, and then we go through that and we read them again, and we continue voting. And once we once we have like I don't know twenty or so in the maybe pile left, we kind of just have a, a lengthy discussion, kind of like uh, the entire movie of uh, Twelve Grumpy Men. <laughs> Is that the title? No. <laughs> Twelve Angry Men. Because there's also a movie title about grumpy men. Yeah, grumpy old men. Yeah. Well, that's a a redundant. Uh, Maybe. (laughs) Well, it's twelve grumpy old men. (laughs) Twelve fellows. (laughs) Yeah, that that was something I always wanted to ask you guys because, like, I. I wasn't sure exactly like how you did it. And, um, you know, cause I, I've never, Shane and I collaborate on some stuff, but we're generally pretty much aligned. So it's usually like we never, I don't even think we've ever really had a thing where we had to debate it. So I was just kind of curious, you know, how you guys even settled the debates. Do you do like rock, paper, scissors or something like that? We typically do on wrestling. So she usually <laughs> I kick his butt. It's okay. No, I I don't know. We've never really had much of a, well, why did you pick that story? It's always seemed to just kind of fall in line. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. We uh, don't disagree too often, except for, like, when to do a podcast. Like, I didn't want to do this tonight, but she was like, you better do it. And I said, okay. (laughs) <laughs> well, we're glad that she talked yeah. to you about it. Like, I, said, in, I said, in case, I don't associate with criminals. <laughs> the only time we argue is when I'm right. Otherwise, we just get along fine on my house. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and, so, and go ahead, man. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to forewarn and get permission. Um, we had a user ask a couple of questions <laughs> of us that they want us to ask uh, Max throughout this show. So, Can you name who this is? Yes, I can. Uh, it is uh, Marcus Dinkelsnort Winkstein. Heard of him? <laughs> yeah, that's my dad. <laughs> <laughs> now you know why I write with a pen name. Yeah, yeah, I can see why you would do that. So Marcus wants to know, wanted me to ask you about Bob and that horse. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, And he put that in all caps. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I I signed an NDA, so there's not much I can talk about. But I will say that Bob is an excellent uh, filmmaker. He knows his way around a camera. And uh, I know my way around a horse. (laughs) (laughs) i don't think i want to know what that means yeah i don't uh (laughs) i don't know i kind of do i'm sure our listeners are going what what i'll show you the tape when we finish i don't think i want to see that tape (laughs) you might die in seven days yeah i I sure hope uh, max wasn't playing the veterinarian in this case (laughs) no it's more like i was the one fucking it (laughs) 
You know that old haunted tape that if you watched it, you would uh, die in seven days? Well, yes. this tape, uh, if you watch it, you'll uh, you'll ejaculate in seven days. So, uh. <laughs> yes, or get That's assault. what you wanted to ask this question. <laughs> yep, absolutely. I mean, or get or get assaulted by a horse sometime in those seven days. There's always that risk too. I don't know how else to ejaculate, but okay. <laughs> I, I'm not going to talk about how often I ejaculate. I <laughs> was asking you. I thought you. I thought that's what you said. About I, I, oh, I said I don't know how else you would ejaculate. Oh, I, I thought you, <laughs> you thought you said I, I don't know how often you would ejaculate. I already know that answer. <laughs> it's like, I'm pretty sure if I got assaulted by a horse, I wouldn't even one time. But hmm, I don't know. They all think. Why do we always have to start these goddamn things out with bestiality, Max? (laughs) (laughs) You brought it up! (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, our our previous episode, that was one of our... That's still in the Ink Heist Hall of Fame as far as podcast topics go. I don't know what that says about our show, but... (laughs) No evil man. <laughs> yeah, there were there was a lot of talk about dicks and spiders and um, skunks, sc- scorpions and testicles and all kinds of fun stuff. Go listen to that episode if you haven't. It's wholesome. I I don't need to listen to it, but thanks. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming there will actually be a couple people listening to this when we air it. So you mean like the guy who asked that last question, aka Michael David Wilson? <laughs> I, I have no idea what you're talking about, Marcus Dinkelstorm Winkstein. <laughs> okay. Uh, and he's gonna hate me for that name, I'm sure, which is why I chose it. <laughs> um, so, but go ahead, Rich. I was just going to say, we're going to kind of jump all over with like some of the topics, but I wanted to ask this before I forgot, because um, I, I follow you guys on Twitter, and um, I think, Max, you had mentioned, you know, possibly something about like the third anthology in your, well, I guess we'll just call the Lost Anthologies, the Lost Signals, Lost Films, and you said you might have a third. I didn't know if you had started that or if you have any ideas that you can share or if that's something you don't want to discuss right now yeah it's one that we're going to be doing i uh we haven't announced it yet because of uh well a lot of things began happening in the country and uh we kind of lost all desire to be productive so it kind (laughs) of went to the uh the background for now uh I don't know if I want to announce the title just yet, mostly because I can't exactly remember what it is off the top <laughs> of my head. Lost something. Do you I remember? Know. I do. Oh, she knows. Say it. I don't do you know. want you want me to say it? It was Lost Causes. Was it? Yes. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. I think it was Lost Touch. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Okay, so we obviously do not remember because we, we, we thought it was something else. So it, it will be something that we will uh, announce at one point once we re- remember the awesome title we had. <laughs> so it's Lost Causes, then it's a, it's about Marcus Dinklesnort Wingstein? <laughs> yes. <laughs> now I'm going to look it up, God damn it. I, have it. I told somebody at one point, so I'm going through my private messages. 
<laughs> somebody at some point. It could take him 20 years to find this. Okay, I think I told Matthew Beltlet, and we don't talk that often, so this should be easy. Oh, it's called Lost Contacts. <laughs> oh, Contacts. So I knew how to see it. Not Contacts. Contacts. I know. That's the title, Lost Contacts. Well, I knew how to see. Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> and I tell me the lost cause. <laughs> also the lost wallet. There's also an S in it, so I mean she's pretty fucking close, really. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that's pretty cool. And uh thanks for sharing that. Um and kinda going off of what you said, you know, all the stuff that's been, you know, going on in the country and stuff. One thing that I thought was really cool, you guys, is you you opened up your submissions, um, I think until January for uh, writers of color. And I was just wondering if you guys kind of wanted to touch on that, you know, what inspired you to do that and um, kind of what you hope for this open call. Yeah, well, I... Uh... I do believe that companies should be more diverse than they are, and I would be a hypocrite to say mine, all company was diverse because, I mean, if you look at the uh, the archive of the books we've published, it's a uh, mostly uh, white folks. Some of them so white you might think they were ghosts, and uh, yeah, I we just don't get that many submissions from. Uh, non-white folks so i thought well one way to encourage mill submissions from uh, people of color would be to invite only them so that's what we did and i hope as what we hope to happen well hey I, I hope we get submissions from people of color so we could uh, publish uh, more voices and the ones we typically do that would be cool and interesting and fun yeah, it sounds like it would be. I and I agree with you wholeheartedly. That's a good thing you're doing. Um, is that yeah? A lot of times, a lot of times, marginalized people don't submit for things because they suspect they won't get accepted. So it's good yeah. to reach out and invite. I don't know why they don't submit. I yeah. I really don't. I mean, it's I mean, it's always possible to have, and we've uh, rejected them, which is not an impossibility. Well, we haven't been open sub- for submissions to novels and novel- novellas for several years now, so... Yeah, because uh, reading slush is not my idea of a good time, guys. <laughs> Mine either. Mine either. I've done my share, and you can have it. I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's another reason, um, like you said, Lori, that's another reason why it's kind of cool that you guys are doing this because, you know, I've, I've followed you guys for a while. And like you said, I can't remember the last time that like I saw that you guys were open for, you know, like novels and novellas and stuff like that. Yeah. Most of these, uh, books we publish will usually, uh, acquired from, uh, pals of ours and folks will, uh, already a fan of and usually the deals will done via pm in the middle of a conversations about other topics it's a really professional (laughs) (laughs) you know it's funny that that's kind of an interesting way like is it hard to like kind of keep track all that stuff because i'm sure you know you you both have you know a lot of friends in the horror community and like if it's done through like pms and stuff like that like is that is it hard for you to kind of keep track of everything? I don't think so. We uh, we don't. One thing is we don't accept a lot of books, even 
from ones uh, sent to us by friends. We'll pretty, uh, uh, what do you... Exclusive? Yeah, exclusive. Fuck, that sounds racist. I know, that's not the right word. <laughs> no, we just, uh, we don't... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we only published whites. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> No, it just we we decided like after our first year or two that we didn't want to publish too much because it became overwhelming with working yeah. and and donating the time to make sure each book was correct and promote it as well as doing the magazine on top of it. So we decided that we were going to cut back on the novels. Yeah, so, so we only uh, even now I think we might be doing too many a year. I mean, not this year, but next year we have a quite a few lined up i think so it's gonna be a, a hectic year um, but we do have like giant white builds all over the house which also i realize sounds racist but we have uh we have like all the titles and publication dates uh mapped out on those um yeah that does sound racist i think i'll cut that part i'm kidding um yeah that's cool one it's like and one of the things you're going to publish soon um it stephen king actually tried to plagiarize that fucker yeah that's true he uh we sued him and lost But fuck, uh, we're publishing it anyway. <laughs> yeah, he he tweeted something about how he's always wanting to write a book about uh, Jason Voorhees. Uh, what the fuck did he say? Just like dying over and over again? Yeah, yeah, something about it being from like his point of view or something. Yeah, he wanted to call it I, Jason. Which is a tillable title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, they... I think iRobot may have done that first, and then there's iPhone. iZombie. Yeah. iTanya might be the only good one of those. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's funny because the, the premise is really similar to a book we'll releasing in September from Paul Michael Andelson called Standalone, which takes a uh, the, the slasher himself it makes him the protagonist, and it's. I've been describing it kind of as a cabin in the woods meets John Wick meets Monsters Inc. I don't know if Paul likes that description exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> I love that description personally, and it's mine now. So thanks. Oh, thank you. I'm, he- I'm hesitant to get too deep into the plot, mostly because it's just a novella, but. Basically, imagine um, several uh, slash olds all with a job involving uh, slashing, and imagine <laughs> the, uh, the the final what do you call them? The final ladies. <laughs> the, the, the final victims uh, deciding to exact some revenge, and maybe they'll now the slash olds themselves. Maybe. And so you can pre-order it now at uh, perpetualpublishing.com. Yeah, I plugged that. Yeah, perpetualmotionpublishing.com. No, God damn it, I fucked it up too. <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead, Lori. <laughs> it's perpetualpublishing.com. I'm, I don't know. I thought you said the right thing. But... What the fuck is wrong with you, Phil? <laughs> <laughs> we love trying to confuse our perpetual guests. Perpetual Motion Machine Publishing. You said Perpetual Motion Publishing. That's what the fuck I'm getting at. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, uh, I believe I said Inkheist.com. <laughs> 
I'm, I have absolutely no answer to that. <laughs> ah. <laughs> you guys then will think about like if if like what was the possibility of, of it? Bah, you, let me do that again. Do you guys ever think about the possibility of someone like living inside of the walls inside of your house? That could be a thing, right? Uh, it could be. Yeah, I think um, about that a lot. Someone, I think that's happened in real life, not yeah. to me, but. <laughs> I know not too long ago at a hotel, they discovered a man was uh, living in the walls. And uh, he would go into the rooms and just, like, stock up on blanket and food. <laughs> so, I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. sounds sound like a living. Yeah, it would creep the hell out of me. I'm not going to lie. That would be awful. You know, I'm going to smoke some bad weed and have a bad paranoia attack. And, but... but. <laughs> Bust out all my walls here in the next week. <laughs> Where are you, you motherfucker? <laughs> I think that was also a movie with uh, uh, Busey, Mr. Busey, as he goes by. In the 80s or 90s, he was uh, living in a house wall. Yeah. Yeah, there is another one. We no, that wasn't a that wasn't a person though, where they had um. It's basically spirits living in their walls. But. Oh yeah, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. There's another, there's another one that kind of touches on that, but I don't want to say the title because it's a spoiler. So I can always, uh, I can always message you later, Max. In, <laughs> okay. case, in, in case you, in case you're into spoilers, Max, let us, let us. I I, can... It's, it's not like a big spoiler, <laughs> but I don't, I don't want to take that chance. <laughs> Okay, I'll I'll, uh, I'll wait for that private message. Um, okay, I don't know. <laughs> and uh, so Max, uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about <clears throat> was your new novella. We need to do something because I know you kind of mentioned it the last time you were on the show about how you kind of wanted to take on the challenge of, you know, writing a story that kind of takes place in one small contained uh, location. And I don't think we really got into kind of the plot, but how would you kind of pitch that to the listeners? Yeah, it's about a dysfunctional family who uh, they take shelter in the bathroom because a tornado is passing through town. And the tornado knocks down a big-ass tree. The tree crashes through the house and lands on the opposite side of the bathroom duel. And the uh, novella takes place in the bathroom only as they try to survive the next uh, week or possibly longer. It's never uh, exactly stated how long they uh, live in that bathroom. Yeah, I, I just finished it today and, um, you know, I loved it. And, you know, I kind of have two totally separate questions so i apologize in advance but i think i heard on another show that you know it was kind of inspired by like you know your own house so i was just kind of curious you know what did you think of it when you uh first read it Lori? and also to max um have you ever seen the show i don't know if you have hbo but have you ever seen the anthology show uh room 104 um, yes, I have. I haven't seen too many episodes, but I have seen it, and I got grumpy because I wasn't involved in it somehow. So 
my own, my own <laughs> ego made me stop watching it because I, I guess in my head I thought, how could you make a, a TV show about a hotel and not invite me, a guy nobody knows in Hollywood? <laughs> so just stop watching it. <laughs> yeah, but they had to need a hotel expert at least. <laughs> I think so, man. Like, where's Kevin my Max fucking... is the only hotel expert ever? I think so. <laughs> you know, I don't know. He's the only one I've ever talked to. See? <laughs> what, have I, what have I been saying the whole time? I'm a hotel expert. <laughs> yeah, I was curious if you had seen it, you know, both for that and also because it seemed kind of, you know, up your alley. Because I know you said you kind of liked stuff like that where, you know, it's just one set location. And, yeah. Uh, that was pretty cool. Like I'm only in the second season, but like how many stories and different types of stories they were able to set, you know, right in just one hotel room and that's it. Um, and I was just kind of curious, you know, did you see that before you worked on this and did that like kind of, is that kind of what kickstarted your interest in, you know, doing that location? Um, I saw, the show before I wrote this new novella, but I don't think it had anything to do with my uh, inspiration or motivation for writing stuff. And because before I watched that show, I also had written uh, carnivorous lunar activities, which mostly takes place in a basement. So I think I've always just been a fan of these one setting locations. If I had to think of a movie or a book that made me like actually realize i was a fan of these uh, setups i think it would be uh the autopsy of jane doe i don't know if you guys have seen that but it takes place oh, yeah. almost completely in a what do you call it a morgue as uh, these two as a dad and son investigate a strange dead body and i i quite liked it and after some uh introspection i kind of came to the conclusion that a big part of why i liked it was because it had that claustrophobic uh closed setting yeah i i've seen that movie and it's it's excellent and you know it was it was really cool reading um reading your novella both that and carnivorous lunar activities like how much it was kind of cool to see just how you crafted it and like using you know the limited space and how much how many different things you were able to put into it but um i also just wanted to get back to uh lori and you know what was what was it like when you read you know maybe like the first draft of we need to do something well he had already talked to me like at length about it mostly because it was based on the fact that we were caught in our bathroom during a tornado warning. And he says, what would happen if we got stuck in here and a tree came crashing through our roof? I mean, that's how it starts. This is the way most of the conversations in our house go. So <laughs> it wasn't like shocking to me. Um, you know, I did help edit it. So when I got to the part about the boy and I'm not going to spoil it, my son own son was gone and I started crying. I, I, I just, because he reminded me so much of my own kid. Well, he helped write some of them. Yes, he did. Awesome. He's very proud of that fact. <laughs> My 12-year-old is yeah. a serious... He wants to be a meteorologist and everything about the weather. He's constantly tornado this and tornado that. And He's a big fan of tornadoes, especially. Yeah, in the, yeah. In the beginning of the book, when the, the family's in the bathroom trying to uh, speculate what's going on outside, the boy in the book is describing different types of tornadoes at length. And all of that dialogue is a verbatim to what he told me because I was a I wrote the book as a screenplay originally, 
And uh, he was once he found out I was writing a screenplay about a tornado, he had to uh, supervise. I had no choice in it. So I said, okay, so I said, okay uh, describe this tornado. And then he just began talking, and I would just uh, dictate uh, what he was uh, saying to me. That's pretty cool. That gives it a whole new flavor. Yeah, but once uh, something happens in the book, I'm not the thing that she was just talking about. He uh, he told me I was rude, and he left. <laughs> <laughs> he also kicked your ass at a game this morning too. So there's that. Red fast. So excited, he was so hysterical laughing. Ha ha! I just kicked your ass. <laughs> Yes, that's exactly what you said. I think he did, actually. <laughs> it was one, like, 12 to zero. It was quite embarrassing. <laughs> you know. I'm uh, sorry. I, I wanted to ask you uh, about some of the things that uh, you guys have coming up from Perpetual Motion Machine Publishing. Um, I was just making sure I actually could say that. <laughs> Yeah, um, you want to talk about the new YA digest we'll do? Um, we are currently in the middle of slushing through the. I just slush. lost. Yes, the slush. We're in the process <laughs> of reading the uh, slush pile we received for the debut issue of a new magazine that we will do called uh, Night Frights, which is a young adult version of uh, Dark Moon Digest. And uh, it will be coming out once a year. So this is going to be the debut issue as I. I think I just mentioned. So you did. I don't have a lot of news about that yet because we're all still trying to decide what's going to be in the issue. And we were also in the process of coming up with the table of contents for July's issue of Dark Moon Digest. And uh, on the on the website that I mentioned, uh, you can say the website. Perpetualpublishing.com. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we do offer a one-year subscription that involves uh, all full issues of DMD and also the one issue of Night Frights. I guess we would call it NF. NF. That sounds awful. That's it. That sounds awful. Indeed. The rhythm to it. NF. NF. NF1. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of close to MF. Yeah, a little. Uh, As I also mentioned, we are releasing Standalone. And uh, one other book that we will be releasing in October is the debut novel from Jessica Leonard. And I'm not positive how to pronounce it, so I'm not going to try. But the lady next to me can go ahead and give it a go. It's Antioch. Yep. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that let's uh, uh that's gonna be a good book. I'm uh well I I would hope so. I uh, accepted it. And we'll <laughs> it. <laughs> um and yeah, and you also just recently published uh Marcus Dinkelstein Winkstein's The Girl from the Video. I, I don't recognize that man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did just release uh, Michael David Wilson's The Girl on the Video. Uh, there's a lot of good buzz about that right now, so I am excited about what's going to happen and what is happening. I mean, it's gotten uh, a lot of good reviews. People seem to dig it. There's some stuff possibly going on behind the scenes with movie and TV. Nothing I can talk about now. And, uh, yeah, people should pick up that book. Uh, we will going to release a novel called Jurassic Christ this December from uh, 
Michael Allen Rose, but uh, with all the conventions canceled, we decided to push that back a bit. So we will be releasing that book on a uh, Easter day of uh, 2021 to uh, celebrate the, I don't know what that day is about. A bunny. <laughs> it's, not, rabbit it's not the day little Jesus Christ uh, laid in bed as a jet engine fell on him. Yes. No, it's, oh. no, it's the way. It's the one where he went around shitting out eggs for kids to eat. <laughs> are, you, are you thinking of Gigi Allen? Oh, maybe. <laughs> it's a little different. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> uh, Wilson said, "Well, he's got some really serious books out, so there, he probably won't. You probably won't have a lot funny to talk about. It's like you, who, which Max are you talking about?" What <laughs> did you guys have about me? <laughs> uh, well, uh, it's, go ahead. Nope. No, I was just gonna say it's kind of cool that you guys are doing the uh, the whole night frights thing. Um, I remember because I remember Max and I when we talked about goosebumps on the last episode and Shane and Laurel's eyes glazed over, um, <laughs> but. You know, it's kind of cool because you guys kind of have a reputation for, you know, the books you put out through, you know, Perpetual Motion Machine and Dark Moon Digest. And I know that when you guys put this together, because I read the open call, um, because I kind of I want to get these and save them for my daughter when she's, you know, old enough to read. But when I saw that you guys were going to kind of take the same kind of like serious approach that you do with all of your other works and kind of apply it to something for younger kids. You know, I thought that was I thought that was a really cool thing because, um, you know, there is tons of YA and like middle grade stuff out there. But I don't think there's anything as far as like magazines that, you know, kind of do those stories. Yeah, I don't know. I have one. It's possible. Yeah. And it's kind of like it's kind of like highlights for horror fans. Yeah. yeah. More, yeah. Only more mature. Uh, one of the main uh, ins- uh, inspirations, uh, motivations, motivations for doing this magazine is we do a lot of uh, local uh, conventions and uh, outside festivals, and we sell uh, books at those places. And many times we have uh, folks coming up with little kids, mm-hmm. and they usually ask that question, do you have anything my kid can read? And usually we, uh, <laughs> we have to slap the copy of the train derails in Boston. And his <laughs> <hand>. <laughs> that, that's a, a wholesome YA novel for you. Do you want to tell the uh, the Boston story we have about that kid? No. No, I, I can't. I guess <laughs> we went a we went a local kind of festival, and this little uh, child, I, I don't know, she was six or seven. She came up, and she immediately picked up the the train derails in Boston, which is infam- infamously a uh, haunted house novel with uh, lots of ghost dicks involved. <laughs> and, uh, began reading it and we were frozen with a fright just watching this kid read it like line by line and she flipped a few pages and we did not know what to do and uh <laughs> the, the the kid's mom came and the kid said uh this is inappropriate and she set it down and walked away <laughs> that's awesome um yeah i can't imagine it's like yeah um only jessica McHugh could pull off a story about ghost dicks and make it convincing 
Yeah, most of the ghost stick fiction I read is not believable. Yeah, yeah, but that <laughs> was pretty much believable. <laughs> um, now, let me ask you something, since this has been a trend on a, several of the last few shows we've done. Um, d- define what is your def- definition of YA? What is different about it than adult fiction? Yeah, so I am a terrible one to ask about this because I'm not positive. But in my head, I think of it as fiction that isn't too uh, excessive on a, a profanity and perhaps not as excessive on a sexual stuff and maybe not so excessive on violence. Although, I mean, uh, including any of those three is not prohibited, I don't think. I just think it might be like he, like fucking from Dust Till Dawn is not going to be YA. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I, do, I do think maybe it should have some sort of positive message like i don't think it's like the the messages in thomas Ligotti would be appropriate for ya maybe <laughs> uh, what do you what do you think yeah i mean again a, a shit here and there is not going to bother me but a lot of excessive language would be bad like which one same <laughs> <laughs> no over you know no sexual tension needs to be in there no it ghost just, sticks no ghost sticks okay uh, the violence doesn't bother me too much but i don't think it needs to be over the top here's but something it, oh, go it, ahead. it needs to involve a young adult i mean yeah the, the protagonist absolutely that's one of the big things and they that's what to relate to. Oh, go ahead. Go no, ahead. I'm sorry. My bad. Um, I, but I'll interrupt anyway. Now, um, <laughs> that, Har, Harper Teen's definition literally is just that it can. It's a story that contains young characters and that characters that young adults can relate to. I mean, like Cesar's clown in a cornfield is an adult novel with young characters in it. You know, so or novella. Would you consider it a YA book? I would consider it pretty damn close up by that definition, but by my experience with it, I'd be hesitant to give it to a 12-year-old. Think about this, because I, this is a thought that just now occurred to me. When most, uh, when most people talk about Stephen King, a lot of the time the answer will be – the uh, response will be, yeah, I uh, I was introduced to Stephen King when I read it as a child. Mm-hmm. I hear all so maybe it is a good YA book. I don't know. Yeah, and I've had a lot of them, too, say that they started with the talisman. So there se- seems to be a trend with some of his books. I, I guess by the Harper definition, it would qualify easily. You know, I read uh, I read it when I was a kid, and it really confused me uh, sexually because uh, anytime I'm in a salon, I uh, no one ever wants to jack off with me. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't understand that. <laughs> I'll jack off with you someday, Max. <laughs> Speaking of trains to rally, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> you bring out the best of me. What can I say? Good God. But that is an interesting thing, though, because we've talked to. Three, four different people over the last six or eight episodes, and every single one of them had a different idea as far as exactly how they would, you know, yeah, think 
how they think of YA. I had one of them said no swearing, no sex, no references to it, you know. And it's like, yeah, I don't know, but you know, young adults do swear and they do at least think about sex, and a lot of them actually have sex. Um. <laughs> do you guys know a lot of kids who fuck? Um, I, I you know, I don't personally, but I did when I was a kid. Good God. <laughs> I don't know what else to say to that. Uh, well, uh, you know, I, we're on I, the uh, FBI watch list now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I don't know. I view it as I work with kids on my other job, you know, my real world job, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I teach dance. OK, so I always think of it as would I be OK with my students reading this? You know, yeah. Would I be OK with my 12 year old reading this? I, I think that to me is just the best way to view it. It really is. Um, it's just same with same with movies. You know, it's like I read or like I read uh, Salem's Lot when I was 12 years old, you know, because that was my first YA book, um, which explains a lot about me. But the same thing, I do the same thing with movies. It, it, would I let my own kid watch this? Would I, you know what I mean? How do I, how do I categorize this based on that? Um, yeah. I do think, especially uh, say with movies, just judging them by having, say, excessive violence, maybe that isn't the best way to go about it. Maybe, I think it's, I think it's wise to think about what type of, I think message is the wrong world heal, but like, say, a movie with lots of, like, martial arts and stuff and fighting, compared to a movie where every problem is solved with, like, a fucking AK-47. Right. I think there's a big difference there. Yeah. Go ahead, Rich. No, I was just going to say I agree, but, you know, it's kind of like as far as, you know, like how I would classify YA and like kind of how each of you have touched on it with your opinions. Like I kind of had like a weird experience with horror in that, like, I didn't really read a lot of adult horror books until later. You know, like a lot of guests we have, they said they, you know, read those things too young. But I was kind of like the reverse. Like, I pretty much like read Goosebumps. And then, um, you know, like my dad, he would let me watch pretty much any any movie I wanted. I have no idea why. So it's like I was still reading Goosebumps, but then I was watching, you know, like Candyman or Friday the 13th. <laughs> so, like, it, it was kind of weird. Yeah, same. I didn't have any... Uh limits i just couldn't watch uh, nudity so i would have to uh, block my face with my hands whenever a, a boob would pop up my dad had my dad had no uh compunctions about letting me watch nudity um my mom did but she yeah. never went to the movies with us so it wasn't a biggie <laughs> <laughs> You know, kind of getting back to, you know, the Night Brights thing. You know, that's that's pretty cool. And um, you don't have to say if you've, you know, accepted any or anything like that. But as you're reading through the slush, you know, you know, like kind of what are your early experiences, you know, with the sort of stories that you're getting for Night Frights? Well, I know we've gotten a few that seem 
too complicated for a young audience. Yeah. Meaning, I don't know how to how to explain myself by this. It's it's more of a you know it when you see it type of thing. Like some of the themes and even some of the the world choice usage. It's like okay, the kids will not know what this means at all. Right. One of them we read, like, used extraordinarily flowery language. I'm like, okay, I don't even understand what you're saying, and I'm old enough, you know? I think we got a story that began with the line, suck my cock, and I thought, well, this is (laughs) No, that was just his response for rejecting him. (laughs) That wasn't a story. That was one of your fans. (laughs) That was that, that video I filmed with Bob. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's in that movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like Bojack. Sexual. Wait, wait, wait. If if Bob was doing the camera work, who was sucking the horse's cock, Max? I think we should move on to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, let's do move on to another topic. What was it? I live shut down the email again. Come up with something, Rich, while I look for this. <laughs> yeah, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I guess I'll I'll ask another question from uh, Marcus, or at least bring up the topic. Uh, I have no idea. And that's what's fun about these is he just sent us a random bunch of fragments that I have no idea what they reference. But he wants us to ask your favorite documentary. <laughs> Is that spelled D-U-C-K? It might Correct. Be. <laughs> ah, who, who could be asking these questions? I have no idea. I don't either. It's Marcus Dinkle Snort Wingstein. Uh, it was a great uh, documentary about like the folks in the 20s who would go around pretending to be a uh, licensed uh, doctors and medicine men, and they would just end up poisoning patients to make a buck. And that book, that doc, that documentary was called a uh, what a quack, what a quack. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's definitely a documentary. Absolutely, I mean, absolutely. Genre defining. I uh, made that up, but I hope that it's a real thing because I am pretty uh, fascinated by those uh, those con men in the Great Depression. I think it's uh, fun to uh, read about. Uh, yeah. Also, if you talk to Wilson, tell him he spelled favorite wrong, man. That that fucking dude <laughs> doesn't belong in there, Wilson. <laughs> I just got a I just got a message from Wilson. I uh, let the uh, lady next to me read it out loud. I don't know if I want to. <laughs> he writes, "Lori is a master of horse sex." I've always said that. What the hell does that mean, Michael? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> is, is he like? Is this kind of like when you crashed his uh like uh, release <laughs> podcast, Max, where he's like listening into the show? <laughs> I'm just uh, live tweeting this podcast as we go along. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I say live tweeting, but I'm just messaging him, so I guess that shouldn't be called tweeting. No, I'm no tweeting way. privately, which is how it should be done. <laughs> well, yeah, that's how, I do, that's how I do it unless I want to piss somebody off, and then I just tweet publicly because I always piss somebody off. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I remember when you were – when you on on his uh, release party, when you were making the voices and you know pretending to be the girl in the video, I could just imagine Michael popping in here now doing that same voice. 
I don't think he has the uh, hacking skills as I do. I am a great hacking man, and he doesn't know anything about technology. Phil Zandel, in the novella that he published with uh, with us, he uh, invented many uh, messaging apps because he did not understand like what real ones to talk about. So he made one up called WhatsApp, which is a dumb name, and I uh, think he could have uh, done some little research to come up with a real app. <laughs> Uh, that's a <laughs> uh, I can't wait until he hears that response. But too, you know, and too, he, uh, you know, he he said he likes working uh, with you guys, and that it was a blast doing that for the girl in the video. But um, he also said that you know you guys had quite the lengthy discussion about an ejaculation scene in his book. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> so are you sure you've never actually j- jacked off with anyone <laughs> I didn't say that I said I've never uh, jacked off with anyone in a in the sewage sewage system oh uh, well this was above ground uh, <laughs> uh, that makes it so much better perfectly um, perfectly perfectly normal and fine well, this, they, go ahead I was just going to say this is what healthy boys do as uh, as Michael would say, this is what fresh boys do. <laughs> yeah, I can just I can just hear that in his fucking accent. Too. Uh, there's a scene in his novella because I don't I think the premise is mostly known at this point, but the novella is about a guy in Japan who begins to get uh, receiving these uh, odd videos through various uh, social media apps from the same uh, anonymous uh, profile. And a lot of these uh, messages or videos of a woman in a Hello Kitty mask uh, dancing strangely. And uh, this is before the halfway point, I believe. But he sees one of these videos and he finds it kind of erotic. And he's trying to hide his erection as so his uh, wife won't see it and she could leave the apartment. And originally it ended with the uh, wife leaving, and I thought it would be much more entertaining if as soon as she left, he uh, ejaculated, and uh, that's what happened. I, uh, I got my way. <laughs> <laughs> this guy is going to come, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he said that was a hot topic, the word come. Yeah, because so he uh we had he spells a long, that one wrong too, huh? Yeah, we had a long discussion. He spells it the UK way. <laughs> uh, is there a UK way? He uses a uh, an OU in a. In a... <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the the discussion we had about the the spelling of com is basically. What I think it should be, and I, I believe it's right. I don't know if a scientists have done many studies about the spelling of cum. I don't know if a, if a scientist would do that. I don't know if that's a scientist's job. But what I came up with <laughs> came uh, is so cum as a, as a noun, as in the ejaculate drips from a penis's tip, is spelled C U M. But uh, as a verb, as in as in uh, I am going to come now, should be C O M E. Huh? Makes sense. So you would come, C-O-M-E, come, C-U-M. Right. 
Yeah, because it doesn't make a lot of sense if you think about it from the uh, past tense way, because you would still spell it as came. So why doesn't the spelling change on that if supposedly the present tense is C-U-M, right? Right, so yeah. wouldn't it be cam? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, change the uh, UK spelling to uh, the US spelling. <laughs> to the Max Booth spelling. <laughs> it's the proper spelling. <laughs> I hope uh, this uh, podcast has been educational. To some yeah. Of um, this, the, the title of this podcast is uh, Max Booth and Lori Michelle are coming for you. <laughs> you guys Wait a minute. I didn't that, uh, sign up for that. <laughs> you guys will see that. Uh, that it's like a com- it's a comedy, but it's uh, marketed as a romantic. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, I don't like the phrase chick flick, but what would you call it? Though? Like just like a, a rom com. A rom com. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. but it's really like this uh, <laughs> extremely a sleazy comedy, and the title is a uh, they came together. Okay. <laughs> 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 because off like off like one label, you don't really think that it's this a uh, sleazy movie, but if you think about that title for long, you you kind of get a sense of what you might be getting into. Well, I just got that sense right out the gate. We've been talking about comics for 55 minutes, so I would have to know. <laughs> no, I think if it, coming from you, coming from you, um, <laughs> I, I would jump to that. I would have jumped to that conclusion even if we hadn't been talking about come for 55 minutes. See, I'm trying to push it to a full hour, three minutes to go. This is what we call edging in the biz. <laughs> Yeah, we we uh, broke a record. We talked about semen for full hour. <laughs> Do you guys think it might be problematic that half of this podcast has been spent talking about cum, and the other half has been spent uh, promoting a YA magazine? <laughs> uh, yeah, there. I don't know. It could be a conflict there. <laughs> <laughs> there does there does seem to be some uh, separation in those two topics, doesn't there? I hope. <laughs> um, Lori. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I still kind of we still have two minutes on the come issue, but I would feel really <laughs> awkward talking to you about that. So uh, tell us about your reading interests. We know a lot about Max's. Don't know anything about yours. Um, I don't get a lot of time to read. I do a lot of slush reading. I read a lot of Stephen King books right at the moment. I get, well, I wouldn't say stuck, but I have to read Max's stuff. Um, I read a lot of books that I'm formatting. But other than that, I right now I don't have any outside interests. Um, I'm, I've always been a Christopher Moore fan and a Carl Hiasson fan. Who I probably just butchered his name, but that's okay. That's how I say it, so yeah. we'll, we'll butcher it together. Um, I would say before I got into the quote-unquote horror business, I read a lot of mysteries. I was always a fan of the Lillian Jackson Braun cat mysteries. <laughs> Don't tell anybody that I read pretty much all of those. because I, I love those books. They were great. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I've always had... Like, I, I always kind of gravitated towards mysteries. I didn't get into reading horror until I was older. Uh, like Rich was saying, my first horror book 
was Stephen King's The Eyes of the Dragon, which really isn't horror. But and I didn't read that till I was like 17 or 18. So before that, I can't say I read too much horror. Because growing up, I didn't have anything like the Goosebumps because I just told everybody how old I was. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> but um, even then, I just, I don't know. It just wasn't my thing. Nah. I, uh, well, when I was younger, yeah, I started reading horror at a very young age, but Goosebumps was like still 15 years down the road or something like that. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, I make no secret about my age. I'm an old fucker. Everybody knows it. <laughs> I won't say how old I am because then people will accuse me of robbing the cradle, but that's okay. I will not. You know, my my wife robbed the cradle. She's a decade older than me, so you're cool. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I so uh, I didn't no. start reading horror until I was at least in my twenties. Uh, my mom was a huge Stephen King fan. We had every single one of his books in the house growing up, but I just I didn't it didn't interest me at all. So, and I really got into horror when my son was sick because I think it was an escape for me because the horrors of my own life were worse than what was in the book. Um, yeah, and I think that has a lot to do with um, not horror getting better or healthy, because it has been, but um, with the upsurge and people reading right. so much of it. Yeah, so. But, uh, go ahead, Rich. So, uh, yeah, Lori, I, I wanted to get your opinion on this, because I, I don't know if you uh, helped read slush for this i'm assuming you did or the submissions but uh we all know max's feelings on it but i was kind of curious you know what are what what were some of your feelings and experiences when you guys were putting together uh tales from the crust oh i had nothing to do with that at all what do you mean oh no all i did was format that sucker i had nothing to do with it otherwise baby project (laughs) it was not (laughs) Well, I guess he came home one day and he said, "We're putting together a book about pizza." I said, "What the fuck?" Yeah, uh, that was my follow-up. I was gonna say, you know, what were kind of your reactions, you know, then just yeah. as kind of you know, supporting him on it. I, oh, I um, support everything he does, but it's just <laughs> I, every day I every day I was putting together that book or putting together the packages to send out, and I'd look at him and I go, "I hate you and David so much." <laughs> Uh, we're talking about David James Keaton, right? Yes, yes. Um, by DJK. I um, I uh, did. I held my story back. I was going to submit for that. I figured you'd get a bunch of dickhole pizza stories, so I let. <laughs> I don't know if we got many of those. Surprisingly. See, there was your end, Shane. <laughs> Now, was that a pun, Rich? <laughs> That's up for the listeners to decide. <laughs> okay, let's try not to degrade this too much more here. Well, it's unprecedented. <laughs> that ship has sailed, my friend. Um, <laughs> we've talked about this before when you were on, but let's talk about it uh, some more. Um, tell, tell us about uh, Touch the Night. As much as you can. Yeah. Um, I am struggling to recall what exactly I said on the last episode. Do you guys remember offhand? I can just repeat myself if you want. Um, <laughs> well, let me look it up and I'll just I'll 
message it to you real quick. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I believe I went into the background and went and spiraled it last time, but uh, real quick, uh, when I was a kid, I snuck out with some friends to uh, cause some petty property damage, like any uh, dumbass kid usually does, and the cops stopped us and uh, called us many uh, homophobic slurs among little names, and uh, one distinct memory is uh, having my head slammed against the, uh, the hood of one of the vehicles and handcuffed. And it was not a good night, and it kind of uh, spelt a uh, an infinite distrust of authority, a, a hatred for authority. And this novel was uh, maybe my way of dealing with that a bit, because the opening of Touch the Night takes place in the same town I grew up in, although under a different name. And it begins with two boys about my age the same year that i was also 12 and they sneak out of the house they they get up to no good and cops come and the cops take them unlike what happened with me they actually uh, get in the back seat of this cop vehicle and the the cops drive away only the cops do not take them to a station they take them someplace different and maybe these cops are not actually cops and maybe they're not even human beings so yeah that i think it's a good pitch it also involves the uh, the two moms of these kids uh kind of teaming up to take the law into their own hands to uh find out what happened to the damn kids because uh they did not come home that night um yeah and and this is one of your darker works too isn't it I would say so, yeah. I would say uh, Touch the Night and We Need to Do Something will written back-to-back, and they, uh, they're not, they're not going to be fun to read, maybe. <laughs> they all pretty uh, fucked up, I guess, it would be the best way to describe it. Uh, things happen in these books that I have uh, not written about in the past. Uh, the comedy is sometimes present, but not as uh, heavy as previous books of mine. It wasn't uh, in a decision I made. It was just comedy didn't seem uh, the right choice. It, there's no point in trying to filth it through the dialogue if uh, it doesn't seem right. Um, yeah, I can see why you would say that. And I can see why you decided not to try to drive yourself completely off the off the rails and do that one in entirely dialect or dialogue (laughs) (laughs) yeah the uh we need to do something was uh it's mostly dialogue i guess but not touch the night of course Uh, touch the night is is was kind of a, a refresher i would guess because the past few books i wrote took place in limited settings but uh Touch the Night goes all around a small town. We have lots of settings well, out in the open space. A lot of the book takes place in a cornfield, actually. So I uh, I do think that uh, Adam and I should team up somehow and become, like, I, don't, I think the name I decided we would use would be the uh, the Cornfield Boys with a Z. <laughs> <laughs> And I've got all kinds of things I will not say to that. <laughs> That's probably feel the best. <laughs> Most likely. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure Max and I would laugh and everybody else would disown us. You might have a point. <laughs> <laughs> so... um. What about that time you got janced? What about that time I got janced? I don't know. I just 
was curious that, about it. Mark was, yeah. yeah. It was, yeah. You got jammed in a cornfield? <laughs> I'm not allowed to talk about that instance. Uh, okay. Uh, what he's talking about is uh, my uh, the debut uh, episode of my podcast, Ghoulish. I had Brian Kane on. He was, I don't know what the fuck he was talking about. I think he mentioned something about how he was interviewing Jonathan Jans. And he unexpectedly uh, began to interview Brian during the podcast and how usually when he uh, interviews somebody, he's the one who asks the questions. But then Jans began to ask Brian the questions. And as he was telling me that, I said, oh, shit, you got Jans, which is a, a rule they came up with on the, at the moment. And uh, Michael, whatever fucking name he's using right now, uh, <laughs> that's the funniest thing I've ever said. And uh, he might be right. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah not i you know that's a jans trademark actually uh, i got jans on the covid con thing the corona con thing when i was moderating that he uh all of a sudden i found myself taking questions from jonathan the, the joke has built up so much within, within me and michael i'm afraid to even get him on ghoulish because i don't i think i would just be making jokes that he would have no idea what i was talking about yeah. <laughs> that's like he i would... just had a i just had joe lansdale on my podcast and uh i have this joke going on that he didn't know about Bill uh, <laughs> in the 80s yeah he would write under the name uh, joey splat so I just kept talking about that when I was talking to him, and he did not seem amused. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there you go, Marcus. He just answered your last question with Joey Splat. So ah. <laughs> he preempted you. Um, kind of building well, off that, Max. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, that's what I was going to say. Go ahead, Rich. Um. <laughs> You know, because I'm, I'm assuming like most people in the writing community, Joe Lansdale's kind of like a huge, you know, influence or, you know, an author you admire. You know, what, what did you have any reservations about constantly referring to him as Joey Splats? Yes, absolutely. I was <laughs> extremely nervous, but it seemed too funny not to do. And we will also on Zoom so I can see his face, and he was not smiling. <laughs> I began the episode by saying, uh, now, Joe, before we uh, get into this uh, interview, I have to address a rumor that's been spreading around that I made up. <laughs> he said, okay. And I was like, uh, so uh, is it true that back in the 80s when you wrote Noel's flannel punk fiction, you uh, used to use the pen name Joey Splat and he just paused and looked at me and five seconds later said no <laughs> and then he went on a rant for like ten minutes about genre so uh, okay uh, yeah that's a hot topic with Joe <laughs> derailed my own podcast with one joke the episode was supposed to be about drive-ins but I don't think we talked about drive-ins at all <laughs> <laughs> Land Landsdale makes note to self. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Let's cancel Joe Landsdale. <laughs> oh, that's gonna that's gonna stick in my memory now forever. Joey Splats. 
I, I brought that up on uh, the joke uh, originated uh, not too long ago when I was on Brian Keene's podcast. Uh, what the hell is this show called? <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought it was uh, someone else's name. <laughs> uh, we were talking about Joe Lansdale, and randomly I said, oh, fun uh, little known fact about Joe. Back in the 80s, he right under the pen name Joey's Black. <laughs> And, uh, at least Brian found it amazing. <laughs> with Brian's platform, a bunch of other people found it amusing too. I'm sure. I guess my goal is to keep spreading this rumor until Joe fucking karate chops my throat. <laughs> Which is the only way I can ejaculate these days. After I <laughs> of course. So this coffee. Oh, this is. Uh, I knew this was going to be a more serious episode than our last one. <laughs> Well, you do know Wikipedia. Anybody can edit those. (laughs) (laughs) You can actually find the video Bob made if you go to the movie uh, Zoo. I think it came out in 2007. I should state right now, before Bob gets mad, this is a joke. He had nothing to do with the uh, fucking of horses. Um, I don't know. Are you positive about that? Has he talked about it a lot? Yes, denied it many times. <laughs> I think you're safe, because I think, if anything, he would just uh, beat up Michael. Possibly. I yeah. <laughs> bring this up to begin with. Make sure you know that if you listen to this episode, do not be mad at me. Um, and don't be mad at me, Joe, because I am the only one on this show, me and Lori Michelle, who have not used that offensive name for you. Joey's flat. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, what a great name! <laughs> it really is. Um, I'm gonna get blocked by him before the week's out now. <laughs> Only if you use the name like in the episode title. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happened to Joyce Blatt? <laughs> yeah, like a, a a Twin Peaks type of anthology. Who killed Joyce Blatt? <laughs> Or the ballad of Joey Splats. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Lots oh. of Splat. Yes, they do. Very yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think yeah. we should do that, though. <laughs> nothing came to mind after I said it. Uh. <laughs> it's just seemed right. It does. Um, in all serious th- seriousness, though, Joe is a hell of a guy. He's a good guy. Um, and he's really, really supportive of people, you know, it's like my, uh, lame ass brand new writer. Um, I've had the pleasure a couple of times of him saying uplifting things to me about my writing or things, you know, giving me little bits of 
um, wisdom. He's the best. I yeah. like. He's, the, he's my favorite Randall of all time. Mine too, and that's what that's why that's huge enough to me that I actually mention it on the air because the guy is uh, basically an idol to me. But uh, go ahead, Rich. Um. So yeah. Um. I was just kind of curious. You know, you kind of went over. Um, things you were doing, and I know you said Night Frights was going to be once a year, I think you said. Yeah. Um, you know, and same thing with Dark Moon Digest. I was just kind of curious, you know, how do you guys kind of juggle, you know, all of that stuff, like now the two different magazines, um, you know, and your book releases? Oh, sometimes it's not timed real well. <laughs> um, yeah, we. Uh, I don't think we claim to be a good at organizing everything and often uh, it's, it's chaos we uh i don't think we know yet how things are going to work with the ya magazine because we've only we haven't even done this issue yet we've only really just began reading the slush so i don't know the whole uh, point of doing this issue now was to uh launch it at a convention this summer but that's obviously not that's not happening so i don't know it's kind yeah. of thrown us uh, through a what what's the saying bus Thrown us under a bus? Through a bus? Through a loop. <laughs> thrown us for a loop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to release it in September because of Paul's book. Yeah. But I want to get it out before Halloween for sure, so maybe August. Yeah. Well, thinking about putting it out in August, definitely. Because, yeah, September, Paul's book is coming out. In right. October, Jessica's, Jessica's book is coming out, out as well as our October issue of Dark Moon ah, Digest. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I only have so much time in the day to keep track of these things. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a, a heavy load. I can see why it would be hard to stay organized. Um, We've gotten a lot better, I would say. She would say, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I've gotten a lot more organized. I don't know. I uh, I think I've gotten bills this year. I would say I uh, have not been the most productive these last few months for uh, reasons I think obvious, and uh, I have not been able to uh, pick myself up yet and get things done. Yeah, we've all been struggling that way. Even even with reviews and things like that, everybody's kind of spinning their wheels. You know, and for for understandable reasons. You yeah, know, sure. If I wasn't faced first up against deadlines, I would be in the same boat as far as creativity goes. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of, you know, that was another thing we were kind of going to ask because it is such a weird time and it seems to be kind of like evenly split amongst writers you know some people are like oh this is great and for others it's a little bit tougher but um i want to i think one cool thing that's kind of come out of it is um you know kind of like all these virtual you know readings and you know events people are doing oh yeah definitely that's gonna be fun i think i uh i know we will be involved with the one that is replacing uh Killicon. Right, KillerCon Online. Yeah, that's going to be a good time. Uh, they will be announcing the uh, Splatterpunk Worlds, so that will be exciting. I know they will be doing uh, panels and an, uh, an online uh, book-selling room. Yeah, through, uh, this will be interesting to through, see how they do that. Uh, what's that app called? Through Discord. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, which we use for this podcast, actually, to b- trash talk people before they come on the show. <laughs> um, <laughs> I hate it when I say shit like that, though, because I completely lose the serious thought. Just fucking shut up, Shane. Um, uh, but you, Oh, yeah. Sorry. It was just that yeah, they're doing the same thing with uh, Scares That Care this year, too. So it's pretty fu- pretty cool that, you know, all of that stuff is going on. Oh, I didn't know that. We both, we had uh, bought a table to attend that event, but then uh, we uh, got a refund because uh, we needed the money desperately all of a sudden due to... Uh, Things uh, happening at well, my job. Well, they're like, we could roll it to next year. I'm like, I don't know what I'll be doing next summer. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. It, like, KillerCon, it's right down the road from us, so it's like no big deal. But Yeah, this one's in what? Virginia. Virginia. I mean, we kind of have to take days off of work like and figure out what drive. to do with a kid, you know? <laughs> like, I don't know uh, what I'll be next summer. <laughs> and spend a fuckload of money doing yeah. it. <laughs> Which is fine, but... I hate that conventions are so fucking expensive. I do, yeah. too. I mean, not just yeah. convention, also the hotels. The hotels, that's the worst part it's, of it. What's mm-hmm. so frustrating to me is often the conventions on, like, big cities, so the discount I can get on the uh, the hotel that I uh, employed at is not great because the uh, the fancy old city, the more populated city, the uh, shitty old discount I get. Yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't want to have to – you wouldn't want to have to do that in Portland because you'd get a really shitty discount here with all the – fucking tourists that live in this city now i believe it <laughs> but so I, yeah. I don't i don't have feelings about that or anything but <laughs> <laughs> not at all are you uh, are you from that city shane or did you move to it no i'm from here i've been here most of my life sweet it's uh it's home um, I'd leave if I could, but you know. <laughs> okay, you abandon that home quite quickly. <laughs> uh, I was thinking Texas was was more my style. Maybe. Yeah. Well, it depends on what part of Texas. It's very different. Don't go to Dallas. Dallas no. sucks. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go to Dallas. That place um, is haunted, man. <laughs> Just bad vibes. Anytime I'm down, and something awful always seems to happen. You know, the funny thing about that is, um, three of the most important men in my ex-wife's wife's life uh, all died in Dallas, Texas, when they were visiting. So, uh, does she know John F. Kennedy? <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, as far as I know, not. But. Uh, <laughs> If you asked her, she'd probably say yes. But I believe what you said, though. It just things. I don't know how to describe Dallas, but I think it's too, it's busier than it has any right to, and nobody seems to pay attention. And it just has a bad feeling to it when you walk around it. I don't know. That's also well. I also got into a bad. We both did. We got into a bad yeah. vehicle re- uh, accident in Dallas last year, so maybe that has a. Some uh, a lot to do with reason, it, yeah. some logic for why I dislike it so much. Yeah, bad associations. Um, that I wasn't in it, and that crash scared the fuck out of me when you showed those pictures. So, oh, looking at the pictures, you go, "Oh my god, how in the hell did they ever survive that?" Uh, that's... <laughs> Inside, I didn't have. I mean, we were 
being thrown around, but I didn't have the thought process of, oh, shit, we're going to die. I never thought that. No, it was uh, it happened so quickly. Uh, absolute fact. I was like, well, what just happened? Yeah. Weren't we uh, in the process of filming into the spelling lot? Yeah. And she had to uh, tell me what happened because I had no memory. That's exactly what happened to us the one time we've been in a wreck is uh, somebody basically T-boned us as we were turning into a parking lot. Um, and same thing. Boom. It's over. What the fuck? I had to sit there and process for like 30 seconds before I could even realize what was what had just happened to me. I find a... But I find kind of amusing, and I think it speaks a lot about the type of stupid person I am, is as soon as it happened, before I had even gotten out of the vehicle, uh, we, were, we were going because I had a meeting with the, the folks at Fangoria because it was to uh, celebrate the uh, launch of my novel. And I took my phone out and called them and said, yeah, I'm going to be late for the meeting. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Uh, I probably would have done the same thing, though. Hang on a second, honey. I'll, I'll call an ambulance, but let me make this call first. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had another question here I was looking for. Did we talk about last time when you were on? Um, did we talk about your uh, favorite podcast? Do you have a have a list of favorites? I don't know if we talked about them, but I can talk about them now. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm going to open up my phone, my my pa- my podcast app, because I suck at remembering names. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, you just want me to talk about some of them and describe what they are? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm a big fan of Behind the Bastards, which is a podcast that uh, each episode they they dive into a historical uh, human being who was a piece of shit. It's really funny. The guy who uh, does the hosting is named Ronald Evans, and he kind of got known for writing a deep dive uh, journalism comedy articles on Cracked.com back in the day. He's uh, he's really good. I also like uh, We Hate Movies, which is a comedy podcast for a group of guys. They uh, watch a bad movie and kind of talk shit about it. I'm a big fan of This Is Who which is a podcast hosted by Bob Pastorella and a guy named Milkin. Someone? Marcus Dinkelstein Winkstein. <laughs> is that a name that you came up with? Or a name, well, a name he came up with. Uh, that's a name I came up with. That's very um, nice. Excellent. I, uh, I, I thought so. I don't think he would be that creative. He doesn't strike me as a creative type. Uh, I, had, I had it wrong anyway. It was actually Marcus Dinkle Snort Winkstein. But, <laughs> Dinkle <you know>. Snort. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a new that, podcast. That sounded, that sounded more British to me. <laughs> I think he did say that in the UK uh, spelling, so that makes sense. Um, yeah, that is S-N-O-U-R-T. Snort. <laughs> Uh, I'm also a fan of uh, Ladies of the Freight Inkeist, obviously There's a new podcast that's out Called uh, Does the Dog Die in This That's a good interview show as well And the the last podcast I will recommend is called Running from Cops It was a one season, like one off Type of podcast and it's about a guy who investigated investigated the tv show cops 
he went and like interviewed a bunch of uh, people who showed up on the show cops and he looked at evidence and what happened to them and he he came up with some pretty uh frustrating uh knowledge bombs i can't i couldn't think of the right uh, that... <laughs> yeah uh he discovered a lot of things about that show that will make you uh really pissed off good news though that uh cops was recently canceled so that's pretty amazing yeah i i I can't believe, honestly, it took that long for uh, cops to get canceled. But um, going off your list of favorite podcasts, I have to say, um, you know, I listen to a lot of, you know, the same ones as you. Um, But, yeah, does the dog die in this? Some some of his interviews are like the funniest things I think I've ever heard. I listened to your episode with him and I got to say hearing you guys talk about being knife kids. (laughs) <laughs> that was that was definitely a highlight but yeah i i, I always said um i think because it hasn't aired yet but laurel was actually on his show and i think she told him this glenn um i i think he's kind of like our spiritual sibling because he yeah. he lets the profanities fly just as much as we do and like i said some of his stories man they're they're just hilarious I uh, I didn't know anything about him until I went on the podcast, and I think we, uh, through the recording of the episode, we uh, quickly became friends. Yeah, yeah, his show his show is great, and uh, I think it. I don't know how he's doing it, but um, I know he's been getting like short stories and stuff like that. Um, are you a part of that as well, or did you just do the show? I also, I gave him a reprint, so I, I'm not positive exactly what's going on. I know he's putting the, the stories on his website through some type of, uh, like, you have to subscribe to his newsletter, I think, to view them. And I think he has some plan to uh, make an anthology where all the proceeds go to an Australian charity. I am not 100% positive what the plan is, but I think it's something along those lines. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. But yeah, it it was kind of funny because you and I are pretty close in the same age, so I I kind of related to the whole knife kid thing and just you know just all the crazy stuff that you guys were talking about on that episode. Yeah, we uh, one thing I I read a lot about that in Touch the Night, obviously, is that's what I talked about in that episode. Uh, but I think I think it's a uh, a type of thing you don't see a lot uh you don't see mentioned a lot in fiction but i do think you might begin seeing it soon enough as movies and books begin taking place in the early 2000s because eventually we're gonna have to get over this 80s craze right (laughs) yeah yeah 80s you know and it's kind of weird because you kind of see it with certain things but even sort of like the 90s have started to pop up in some of the some of the movies and stuff like that yeah definitely 
I look forward to seeing more movies and uh, books about kids with uh, shitty video cameras uh, just doing skateboarding badly <laughs> getting it because <laughs> <laughs> that was my childhood like uh, skateboarding off of things that we knew we wouldn't uh, land just because we thought it would look funny as we fell uh, going into trash cans public trash cans and just rolling down giant hills and filming it uh, <laughs> just running and just jumping off of things or running into trees because we thought it would make a funny video I mean that, that's what I relate to that says, you know, that explains a lot. <laughs> what about you, Rich? Did you uh, have like a, a shitty camera around that age as well? No, not not really. Um, uh-huh. Not a shitty camera, so to speak, but definitely did a lot of dumb stuff like that. You know, yeah. not not quite as extreme as you know. Like rolling down in like the dumpsters or whatever, but just yeah, anything you know, kind of like that whole not quite jackass, but like you know, basically like you know, the joke is about like the you know, 90s and even a little bit the early 2000s is like how everything was like extreme, like yeah, extreme <laughs> burritos, extreme Mountain Dew. <laughs> you know how extreme I was when so, I was yeah. a kid. Uh, one time, we used to always get a Jones soda pops at the gas station, uh, and we would uh, we would think we were so extreme because we would just pop the lid off on the side of a gas tank, uh, yeah, a gas station tank. And uh, one time I did that, and the whole neck of the glass broke. And because <laughs> I was an extreme kid, I was like, no, it's fine. And I took a sip. Oh and, my yeah, God. see? And uh, blood began streaming down my chin, and my friends were like, oh my god! I said, no, it's fine. And I just spent the rest of the day bleeding out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here picturing that dog meme where he's sitting in the fire going, this is fine. <laughs> yeah, that, that is pretty extreme. Thank God you didn't swallow any of that glass. If I had thought about it, I might have. Just press my, my friends. Like, yeah, watch this. I eat glass. Uh, something else we used to do with the camera, we would uh, we would get old skate builds and, like, sneak up on, at the gas station and hold on to the back of vehicles and see how long we could hold on as it drove away and someone would film it. We never made it to the street. We always fell. Uh, <laughs> it's easier to do that if you do it in the snow. You don't need the skateboard and you don't fall off the ground. That's a good point. Yeah, we used to do it all the time. We used to catch the the bumpers of TriMet buses and ride them down the street in the snow all the time. That's awesome. Yeah. See, though, it's kind of good that he didn't because, like, you know, you said you didn't, Shane, but, like, what's the max speed you got up to? Because I don't know, you know, where you were doing this max. Like, what if that truck got up to, like, 55 and you somehow (laughs) managed Hold on, like, what was your plan after? We did not think. In a <laughs> yeah. I, to see. I mean, 
So something we, something we did multiple times on the camera, that scenes also in the book, is we would take big rocks and throw them at the side of trains, and always it would ricochet and almost hit us in the face. But then we would just do it again because we thought it was funny. <laughs> and, a, and a rock ricocheting off a train barreling down tracks is not moving at you slow. No, it's not. Uh, we, not we used to do that thing they did in Stand By Me where they would just stand the train and jump off at the last second. <laughs> um, I think we I think we did that because we saw Stand by Me, so I guess movies do in the in, in spiral violence with yeah. children. <laughs> hey, yeah, t- fuck uh, fuck Dungeons and Dragons, man! It's those movies you're letting them watch. Fucking Rob Reinhold's a Satanist. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Reinhold. <laughs> that could be the title of the episode. Rob Reinhold is a Satanist. <laughs> I'll add that to the possibilities. <laughs> um, the possibilities? No, I've already decided that's the name. Make sure you tag him in it. We'll be hearing from his lawyers on, uh, you know, what's this will go live probably what Thursday. We'll hear from his lawyers on Friday. The idea of it just being him using a fake voice. <laughs> you know, uh, looking back now, like one of the, something else that we would do a lot as a kid that I think was so fucking stupid, we would get on like we would hide behind trees and just throw rocks at passing vehicles. I have no idea how we did not kill anybody. <laughs> uh, yeah, you and I had a similar upbringing that way in a lot of those things. We didn't think about the fact that what we were going to do might kill us. Or actually, we did. We just didn't fucking care because it was really cool. We kind of thought it would be <laughs> cool if like a window broke, but we yeah. would have definitely somebody. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we used to do that all the time with projectiles of one sort or another. Usually something that would break and splat all over their car, but... Yeah, we uh, we also liked uh, getting like two ladles of pop. I'm from Indiana, by the way. Uh, two ladles of pop and uh, shaking it up and just throwing it as high as we could and letting it hit the concrete and just shooting like a rocket into. <laughs> I can only imagine some of the listeners' reactions when they hear this. <laughs> I hope some of them can relate. You know, I mean, the whole reason that I even got that camera, it was a, a Christmas gift, I think, or a birthday gift, was I wanted to make, like, spooky movies. And I tried doing that with my friends, but I was the only one who was taking it serious, so I got really impatient and said, ah, never mind, fuck you guys. Because <laughs> I would come yeah. up with these scripts, I would come up with the special effects that I was reading about, like, in Fangoria. I would try to set up these shots, they would just joke around and fuck around, so I just gave up quite quickly. Yeah, I can re- I can kind of relate to that. I didn't uh, not as far as like writing the scripts or anything, but um, me and my stepbrother we uh <laughs> we tried to scare my stepsister by doing that. Like we he had a karaoke machine, and it was shortly after uh, the Blair Witch came out. So we <laughs> made we made a spooky like. Uh, 
like cassette recording using like the vocal effects on the karaoke machine, basically saying that we were the Blair Witch and we were coming to get her. <laughs> and the backyard butted up to a playground. So me and my stepbrother, we recorded this tape. And we I ran out there, stuck it on the swing set and like pushed the swing kind of hard. So it was moving back and forth. And then we basically told her, we're like, oh, it, you know, there's a there's a tape out there. You should go grab it. And. <laughs> It all went downhill from there because we were terrible. <laughs> that's great. But yeah, that's that's the first time I told that. But she was she was uh she was pretty scared. But yeah, so I I did that kind of stuff too, a lot less than the uh, stunts and stuff. We did a lot of prank phone calls as well. We would uh we would go to like E bombs world. I think was the website, and they had all yeah. those celebrity uh, sound bits. And we would just dial numbers in the the yellow pages and just have conversations using uh, quotes from uh, like Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, Joe Pesci. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also in Touch the Night. A lot of this book is just me writing about things that happened when I was a kid. That has nothing really to do with the plot. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't wait to read that one. Um, I'm I ordered it a couple months ago, so I'm just waiting for it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I'm I, I'm excited to check it out because between hearing you talk about it on Glenn show and all the little bit you mentioned it the last time we talked, I think it was still kind of early on. It's it sounds like a lot of it sounds like a lot of fun, and just kind of hearing you talk about you know parts of your childhood that you know inspired it. Yeah. That's a, it hasn't it hasn't gotten a, a many reviews yet, but most of the reviews typically oh, just talk about the uh, the depressing the fucked up bits that happen in the book. So I'm I'm hopeful that I begin yeah. seeing some more discussion about the uh, tide. Yeah, the uh, stuff about just being a kid in 2005 and th- throwing rocks at trains. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah i'm sure i don't you don't have to worry about that because i'm sure i'm gonna latch right the fuck onto that so (laughs) excellent that's uh like i said too too similar to my own upbringing i was also an asshole when i was a kid (laughs) what changed nothing (laughs) (laughs) well i'm glad i have also not changed i uh recently threw a rock at a train just last night <laughs> yeah, that did not go well. Max, Max with a half-empty bottle of Makers in his hand, throwing rocks at trains. <laughs> ah, fuck you, train! You'll let my dad. Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Is this what that guy said when he was gonna run a train on my mom? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Someone said my father was a train, but you aren't my fucking father. <laughs> we'll see who's a train wreck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was born a train wreck. That was built in a train. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. So, Lori? Yes. Uh, this, this question has long burned in my mind, and that is, how the fuck do you live with this guy? Uh, <laughs> He takes good care of me. I'm teasing. He's a good guy. Yes. 
I know, I just ruined his reputation, but... My yeah. reputation? Yes, you had one, didn't it's, you know? It's a reputation that I'm not a good guy? <laughs> I don't know. Who am I, Joey Splat? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know, too, the, the Knife Kid rep, too, so... Yeah, I uh, actually got a knife. <laughs> I haven't had a knife in a while. Yeah, <laughs> the last time I uh, I used the blade, I uh, cut my knee open. It don't. He, he's not allowed to have sharp instruments. I, uh, I, had, a, I, had, a, I had a what do you call it? A pickaxe? Is that what I was using? Yeah, hatchet. hatchet. And I was cutting a tree to, uh, bush down, and I had just finished it. And uh, she was pulling into the driveway, so I thought I would boast by uh, like placing my leg on the stump and like posing. And as I did that, I forgot I had the uh, hatchet in my hand, so it kind of swung down right into my fucking kneecap. <laughs> <laughs> and she's just looking at me. So imagine from her point of view, she's driving up. She sees me look at her little wave, put my knee on the trunk of the tree, and this fucking stab myself for no evident reason. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> it's like yeah we all do we all do things that get us damn close to earning a darwin award sometimes <laughs> that's I, me every day i i opened my air fryer the other night and just shoved my hand right into that motherfucker without an oven mitt or anything and uh yep i all i could do is sit there and cry and laugh at myself dude that's huh? a fucking dumb. That sounds painful. I bet it smelled bad, too. <laughs> yeah, it's not the best smell. It kind of smells like bacon, which is disgusting <laughs> when you know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I used to be employed at this... Uh, uh, trying to think of how to describe it. Uh, this wheelhouse place. You just, like, stock a bunch of random merchandise. And they sold those, uh, those suits of... Uh, like those knight suits, the swords and shields. What do you call those oh, things? Suit, suits of armor. I guess, yeah. And uh, I had just clocked out. Well, I was about to clock out, and I saw one had been like nudged out of the uh, display. So I walked over to uh, move it, and immediately sliced my wrist open on the uh, tip of the shield, <laughs> and uh, had to go get stitches. And that's a that's something that came to mind. I uh, sliced my wrist open by moving a shield. <laughs> And yeah, I still so- have I still have the skull on my wrist. This was like nine years ago, and it looks it looks like now I uh, a blind man tried to commit suicide. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, yeah I had a lot of incidents like that too. I wasn't the most cautious kid. Um, I haven't done a lot of that stuff as an adult though. You just told us you stuck your hand in a deep fry. <laughs> well, yeah, that, but that's not the same. I also I also won a foot race with my sister one time by diving right through a fucking bedroom window that was closed. So. Hey, congratulations on winning. I did win, and I still have the stitches to show for it, or the scar to show for it. I hope the stitches got out by now. Yeah. <laughs> if my dad had his way, it would have just had a fucking Band-Aid on it. <laughs> yeah, just slap a band-aid on it, you'll be fine. Yeah. Thirty five <laughs> stitches later he's changing his mind. Get a bag of peas, you'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think we may have lost Rich. Did we lose you, Rich? Yeah. 
He was having not, some problems. Oh. I'm I'm back now, but I don't know how long it's gonna last. It keeps kicking me off and logging me back on every got couple of technology. <laughs> well, I uh, I record from our walk-in closet, so I have to <laughs> I have to use my phone as a hotspot. It's uh-huh. not always reliable. Well, if you, uh, if you guys ended up losing any of the recording, I also have the audio recording on my end as well. Uh, I've got, yeah, we, uh, I've got it recording. Oh, okay, cool. I'm, I'm always recording because my connection yeah. seems to be more reliable most of the time. Um, but uh, I'm, what do you guys have? Uh, anything else that you want to announce before we have to cut this short? Because I'm, uh, I'm. I'm going to lose my testicles if I don't quit. <laughs> Do you want to elaborate on this? <laughs> Is there a horse nearby? <laughs> no horses, just spouses. That Wait. sounds like a great reality TV show. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I can't think also, of anything. Also another great title. <laughs> <laughs> Especially since I had two spouses were on the podcast. <laughs> And also a hilt, but uh, it's not saying anything because it's gagged right now. <laughs> Guess what's... No. No, no, nope. don't go there. Don't go there. I'm glad you went there because I was right on the verge. <laughs> I, I can't think of anything else. Um, I mean, uh, you can subscribe to the magazines on... Perpetualpublishing.com. Uh, you can buy uh, Touch the Night and uh, We Need to Do Something, my two new books that just came out. You can go buy the new PMMP book, The Grill on the Video, by Michael David Wilson. You can Marcus go free. Dickles. That is by Marcus Dinklesnort Winkstein. <laughs> Dick Snot was something my mom used to love to say. <laughs> uh, it was like a like a thing she would call people. God fucking Dick Snot. <laughs> <laughs> now you know why I talk like how I talk. <laughs> Good training. <laughs> oh, and also you can have free little standalone by Paul Michael Anderson. What yeah. is it with the named authors? <laughs> yeah, with all Michael and his uh, Yes, I did. Michael David Wilson, Paul Michael Andelson, and Michael Allen Rose. It's oh, no. a sickness. Yeah. People who use three, three names are definitely fucking serial killers. <laughs> That's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. says, says Shane Douglas Keene. <laughs> Max actually immortalized me as a serial killer on Ghoulish. Nice. Hey. <laughs> I uh, brought you up when, uh, with Michael David Wilson's episode, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've always had a reputation, and it's never been a good one, so I'm all right with that. <laughs> um, so uh, one thing about that book, that Paul Michael Anderson book, um, I have not read it yet. I have read most of all of his other work that he's published as far as short stories and his collection. Um, and he is a brilliant writer. So I think we're going to be in for a huge treat with that. So do go pre-order that fucker. Absolutely. And, 
and uh, Max, I can say the same exact thing about. Uh, I've never read a Max Booth book that I w- was disappointed by, and I've never read one that I didn't just absolutely love. So go buy those fuckers, too. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's uh, I think that's a good spot to kind of wrap things up. And uh, I just want to thank um, you, Max, and uh, Lori for joining us tonight. It was... It was fun as always. Uh, this is probably one of the most funniest episodes we've had. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I want to do something, though, with you, Max, after I read Touch the Night, and I just not jack off or come. <laughs> I had no intention of bringing up coming until uh, Scott did. <laughs> That's his new nickname now. It's not. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Shane, anything you want to do, I'm uh, open to it. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to you about it offline, but I'd like to get you back on and talk to it in depth after I know something about it and I can talk with some uh, without sounding like an idiot. Okay, cool. I'm uh, happy to get into a spoiling till Jolly 2. If you want to do that, that's fine with me. I don't mind. Uh, Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll hit you up about that. Do it up. Excellent. Thank you, you guys. Thank you. Bye. Have a good one. (laughs) Is somebody going to hang the fucking thing? We'll